0: Welcome back this evening. It's sort of hard to believe that this is number 6, but yet it it does feel that way. <clears throat> really enjoyed though being with you and it's been not just for me. Um it's interesting how how children can uh adapt and relate as well and um, discussed it a little bit today and how that uh they they would be okay if we just come to church here. <laughs> <clears throat> I just wanna thank you too for opening your doors, feeding us so well. I don't uh I don't think we're gonna eat it all, but uh it's been good and it's been uh, a blessing to to get into some of your homes and to relate with you in that way and allow God to continue to use you in this community and uh, be faithful to what God has for you um, just so you all know as well not uh, there's a, some of you know we're going to stay around till Wednesday, and so uh, try to take in a little bit of. New York and how some of these things look around here, so blessed to, to be able to do that. We'll turn to Ruth chapter 4 again this evening as we wrap up this evening. I'd like for us to to look at the the phrase in verse 15 as we think about The title of the message, Restorer of Life. Touched a little bit on this the other night, but not much. And I'd like for us to think about what does this mean? I'd like for this message to be more of an encouragement as a church, as a body, as a community, as you work together, as you pray together, and how that God can be glorified through your lives. I'd like to just read verses 13 through 15 here of Ruth chapter 4. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto you a restorer of, the, of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. We see here again how that God is a personal God. We see that God is good and God is kind. We see that God has our good. In mind as we look at our lives, we look at Ruth and we see now the story climaxed, and she has been redeemed. She has been taken under Boaz's wings, and this was her request, and now she is fulfilled as she has been redeemed. The first evening I talked a little bit about the providence of God, and I believe that is a personal thing as we look at the providence of God, as we look at Ruth's life. God leads us by his providential care for our lives, and he is desiring that we are faithful as he leads us, as he guides us, and that he can care for us. It encourages me as I look at the the book of Ruth how that to rely fully on God's providence to be faithful to his work is really what brings fulfillment in my life. This evening as we wrap up the final evening, my desire would be that you as a church, you would be an encourager to each other, you would strengthen as you read God's word this week. And as we we looked at God's word this last week, that again you could be strengthened and you could be edified to be that restorer of life and to be that caregiver or that nourisher that Ruth received, that Naomi received as Boaz was that redeemer. Boaz was that kinsman that provider for Ruth's life. And I'd love to have the story continue now. What happened to them after this? But we don't we don't know a lot of what happened. But I believe they were they were a couple that obviously not perfect, but a couple that moved on and was a blessing in her community, in their community, in their church and that they were used of God in a mighty way. Tonight, as we think about being that nourisher, being that restorer of life, I'd like for us to look at Isaiah 41, 1 through 10. We see here God's people were now in bondage, and they needed that restorer. They needed that help from God. And God was giving them some comforting words here and was trying to encourage them and trying to continue to guide the element of truth that was still there, that was still alive, even though they were taken into captivity, that God wanted them to continue on. And I believe that is what God wants of you here at Silver Lake, to continue on to be faithful to what God has called you to. I'd like to just read Isaiah 41, 1-10, through 10, and then towards the end of the message, we'll read down through verse 20. And look at, keep in mind now, as, as we look at Ruth's story and how that she has been redeemed and how that we are now to go forth and to help those. So Isaiah 41, verse 1, Keep silence before me, O islands. And let the people renew their strength, let them come, to, come near. Then let them speak, let us come near together to judgment. Who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his feet, and gave the nations before him, and made him rule over kings. He gave them as the dust to, to, to his sword and as the driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them and passed safely. Even by the way that he had not gone with his feet. Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am He. The isles sat, saw it and feared the ends of the earth, were afraid, drew near, and came. They helped everyone his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, Be of good courage. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and the smoother with the hammer, him that smote the anvil, saying, It is ready for soldering. And he fastened it with nails, that it should not be moved. But thou, Israel, art my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, and I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God, and I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with thy right hand of my righteousness. We'll quit reading there for now. Isaiah here, I believe, was wanting to paint us a picture. He was trying to, as the people here were in captive. And we see here in verse 4, I want us to notice how that Isaiah was bringing out that from generation to generation, God had faithful people. And as we think about that, as we think of Ruth's story, and as we think of the generations that followed Ruth, how that impacted the generations to come. The genealogy and how that Ruth was part of that genealogy that Jesus was born from. God said, I the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. And as we think about that of generation to generation, God always, throughout history and future, till he comes again, will have a people that will follow him, that will be a part of his bride. Whether we do it or not, whether we are committed to that or not, God will have, and I trust we will be committed, we will follow, and we will want that. And as as we think about God as our sustainer of life, spiritually and physically. And as we think about the generations to come, oftentimes, for me at least, I get the, the idea that, well, it just affects me. The choices I make affect me. But the choices that we make will not just affect you and I. It will affect the generations to come. And that's sobering to think about. And we must always remember that as we, as a church, as we move forward, as we make decisions, how will this affect the generations to come? And we must always remember that there is always a right way forward. God is our sustainer. God is our guide. He is calling us to be a part of a generation that will pass on the faith. He wants us to be a part of that. And as we are, our faith and how we believe is interconnected from generation to generation. We could go back in history and we could see that. Each one of us has a genealogy. We came from somewhere, we didn't just come from outer space. And so there's a genealogy, we came from somewhere. And God help us as we continue that genealogy, that work of faith in our lives and in the generations to come, that we can be that seed of truth that will continue on. Notice verse 6 and 7. We see here how that the people of Babylon, they work together as well. As I first read this, and I was like, wow, they, they really worked together. And they did it well. They even encouraged each other. I believe sometimes we, as God's people, can take examples off of them as well. God is calling his people to a work. Notice in verse 8: But thou, Israel, art my servant. Again, a personal invitation here you are mine we are God's people and I have chosen the seed of Abraham my friend again a very personal providential care verse 9 thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee thou art my servant I have chosen you Verse 10 is where I'd like to sort of camp on tonight, as we think about being a message of encouragement and how that we are to continue from here and continue faithful. Verse 10 there, fear thou not, for I am with thee. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life, and I had fears this week, of standing here behind the pulpit. Not knowing what to expect. Not that you were scary people. <laughs> but that as we are used of God, that there's many, many things that can, that can come in and hinder. But as we think about fear and as we think about I am with you, my, my fear thrives when I lose focus on who God is. And sometimes it's it's those distractions that really just take us the wrong way. And our fear becomes what our fear controls us then. Sometimes it's not the the biggest things out there that I fear. Sometimes it's the things that stand right Beside me, or the thing that I see in the mirror when I look in the mirror. It's interesting as we look at fear. Fear not is used 365 times in the Bible. One day out of the year. 365 days in a year. It's interesting because I believe God knew that we needed it. We needed that warning. Fear not. Fear not. Fear's goal is to cause us to live in torment, and we've seen that in the, the passage of Scripture this morning that LaVon read, how that fear hath torment. And we've seen that. We've probably all experienced at least some form of that. And as we, as we do kids' club at home, there was a 14-year-old girl, how that they they feared so badly that they would go check the closets for ghosts and other creatures because their fear gripped them that bad. The things they were watching were not fit. The things they were involved in. Fear hath torment. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Perfect love is what we need. Fear is not being, just being afraid. There is a difference of being afraid and being fearful. It's natural for us to be afraid sometimes. As we think about going to an edge of a cliff, I have some trepidations about that, and I, I, I have some fear. But that's different. That's God-given that's That's good that we are cautious and that we're careful. Amplified, Amplified says, don't fear anything, and that's what I would like to focus on tonight. As you look at this, fear thou not, don't fear anything. There's actually a store there in Holmes County, and it's I I, uh, I don't know that I would necessarily call it, that, uh, call that store like that, but it's called Be Fearless a lot of clothing and that kind of thing. They're, they're portraying something, and that is be fearless. And that's not always the proper fear as well. But fear of God and fear that we stand in awe of who God is. And I had to think about it as, as Vern goes this week and meets with those guys. Sorry, Vern, for picking on you so much today. <laughs> But as 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 Vern meets with those with those men, there there I would have some trepidation about it. I would have some fear about it. How am I going to answer these men? If I would be him, am I going to give him the right answer? How do I know what to say and when to say it? I'm thankful that we can look into God's word and we can have the answers. But I believe in situations like that where that we we need to pray and ask God, guide me in the way. And he will do that. But I believe we also, then as God's people, is we need to do some homework on it. And we need to be prepared to speak. And we need to be prepared to speak words of life into the people that we come in contact with. You know, simple verses like the Earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. They probably have very little idea of what that means. They would say, well, the Earth is ours, the earth, you know we we need to control the Earth. Just that direction of knowing, you know the whole idea that we don't we want to take care of the Earth, but we're not we don't worship what's been created. We worship the Creator. Simple facts like that, I believe that we need to speak into these situations when we become fearful of what to say and we end up starting to backstep, that we don't need to fear anything. We need to simply trust God to guide us. I do say that we need to be cautious in the sense that, you know, we need to stand for truth and we need to not be ashamed of that, of that truth. But at the same time, I believe we need to be careful that we don't become brazen and just, Proudful and disrespectful. They'll pick up on that as well. And I have a story with that. Of And I, I shared this with Brent the other night at, at supper, of how that I had a customer, actually a, a competitor, that, uh, that was, I would say, brazen. Um, he, had, uh, he had actually contacted a customer, or the customer contacted this other dealer, on a on a mower, and he had done a demo. The other dealer did, and so meanwhile, this customer ended up talking to one of my customers, and he said, "Go out and talk to Levon and see if he'll he'll have a better price for you." So the customer came out. I didn't I didn't know all of the details, and. So I, he came out, and he's, he was wanting a price. And so I gave him a price. And it wasn't until later that I discovered that he had done the demo and that my price came in lower than his price. And so he was pretty upset at me. And so one day he, he up and calls me. And I hi, Matt, and he was pretty pretty hot and he was telling me how tired he is of I'm always under bidding him and on and on and on and I told him Matt I said I, I don't know your bidding strategy I don't know how you do it I just know I need to be competitive because I, I'm in Holmes County and so we went around for a little bit and I was like I'm not going to argue with him but I, I put it back in his lap and so I said Matt I said what do you want me to do and he said, well, he said, if you call a customer back and you tell him that, and I forget anymore what it was, if it was going to be to match my price or go halfway or what it was, he said, then I'll, I'll be satisfied. I said, okay. That's sort of awkward for me, but I'll do it in this situation. And the statement that he made before we hung up was the thing that really got my attention. And he made the comment that he said, if you want to die a poor man, that's fine. I want to die a millionaire. And I would have wanted to just keep going with the conversation. But I knew then and the time was not not the time. Thankfully to this day, I, I, I ended up Hustler contacting me and so forth, and we ended up coming to an agreement where whenever we are working in that area that we will bid this way and so forth, and we got that straightened out. And it went a couple years till, till finally um, he needed a part and we had it, and he humbled himself, actually told his employee first to call us. And eventually, the, he needed the part the second time, and finally, he actually called me. And so today, we can actually on talking terms, and I'm thankful for that. And I'd love to sometime just sit down with him and say, Matt, I, you know, really, this, this this thing that you told me is this really going to matter? And these are the situations that I, I that I'm saying as we get into, don't be brazen and don't be proudful. Don't be saying I got all the answers, but simply. Place it in their lap. Ask them, what should I do? What do you want me to do? And oftentimes as we do that, they begin to backstep and they begin to backpedal and it's all of a sudden different. Why? Because we know what truth is and we're not afraid of it. We can embrace it, but we need to have the fear of God in our lives as well. One acronym of fear is facing everything and rise. Face everything and rise. And I believe that's what we as God's people, we need to do. We need to rise above some of the bad things we face, some of the bad things that we come in contact with. And we need to rise above and we need to be faithful. Anxiety, as we think about fear, anxiety likes to mask those patterns that we often not consciously are aware of. And sometimes we end up having fear in our lives, and when we see it, let's deal with it. Secondly, we see here that be not dismayed, for I am the Lord. And again, I believe this is very similar to fear not, and it's, it's saying don't be afraid to enter, enter people's lives. Don't be confused about what you believe. Why? Because we have a personal God that wants to teach us, and he wants to guide our conversations. God wants to do great things for us as we are faithful to him. As a born-again believer, we need to follow and we need to have the Spirit of God in our lives and we need to be very sensitive to that Spirit. And I remember that day when I was talking to Matt that I felt that in a, in a very powerful way and just like, now's not the time. Because things would have just went worse. As we live for Jesus, we have purpose and we have satisfaction where the world tries to bring satisfaction in things and many things and doing things, whether it's sports, pleasure, you name it. But as we know God, we don't need to be confused. We don't need to be afraid of who God is in our lives. Thirdly then, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. God is on our side. God wants to do great things for us. He wants to help us. He wants to give us that power to live above sin. As I was weary this week, through your prayers, I was strengthened, and I thank you for that. God wants to do in our lives good things, but we must allow him to help us. It's not about me, myself and I. It's about what God can do through us. I believe when we get distracted again and our eyes come off of Jesus and on other things is when we become weak. Is when we start losing strength and we saying, "God, where are you? I need strength." And we come back to God and he gives us that strength. He gives us He is a restorer of life to us. As we think about God's promises, God's blessings that he gives to us through his word, he wants to give that to us, but we must be strengthened by him and faithful to his promises. Fourthly then, I will uphold thee with thy right hand of my righteousness. And this was interesting to me as I look at God upholding you. And this is what God wants to do for you. This is what God wants to do for me this week. He wants to uphold you. He wants to hold you in his hands. In Ruth, we looked at different times where it talks about trusting under his wings, under the redeemer, under the kinsman, and how that They desired that in their lives. As we look at God upholding us, He has the power to do that. Some of you have a busy week this week. Trust in Him. He will uphold you with His power. Think about His justice. Think about victory. Think about your salvation. All of these things, I believe, is a part of his righteousness. And as we looked at this morning, that divine nature that we are called to, I believe this is a part of that, that as God upholds us, he gives us that divine nature, and he gives us that guidance in our lives. God wants to sustain your life. He wants to make you powerful in his kingdom. He wants you to believe He wants you to follow his righteousness, to trust in his hand, to restore life with his salvation in us each day of our lives. And God continues to do that. As we look at the book of Ruth, God has done that for Ruth. Again, those generation to generation. And it's because of that of Ruth's faithfulness, that we have Jesus Christ in our lives today. The decisions that you make will make a difference. In closing, I'd like to to read some of the Isaiah 41 in the Amplified. It brings it out a little bit more as we think about God... Our provider, God, our redeemer. Verse 12, he goes like this: "You shall search for those quarrel sorry. ye shall search for those who quarrel with you, but will not find them." Speaking of the people in Babylon, they who war against you will be as nothing, as nothing at all. For I, the Lord, your God, keep hold of your right hand. I am the Lord who says to you, do not fear, I will be with you. Do not fear, you worm of Jacob, you you men of Israel. I will help you, declares the Lord, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. In fact, I have made you a new sharp threshing implement with sharp edges, and you will thresh the mountains and crush them and make the hills like chaff. You will winnow them, and the wind will carry them away, and a high wind will scatter them. But you will rejoice in the Lord. You will glory in the Holy One of Israel. The poor and needy are seeking water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them myself. I, the God of Israel, will not neglect them. I will open rivers on the barren heights and springs in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a reed pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will put the cedar in in the wilderness, the myrtle and the olive tree. I will place the juniper in the desert together with the box tree and the cypress, so that they may see and know and consider And understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. That the Holy One of Israel has created it. And I'd like for you to take that with you this week. That that is who you are to be to the world around you. You are to be that restorer of life. That one that gives life life. To those around you, to your community, to your church, to your family, to your children, and so on. And I'd like to close with a blessing out of Ruth, and I sort of paraphrase this for, for you here personally. Bless be the Lord. Which hath not left this day without a redeemer, that his name may be famous here in Perry, New York, and ye shall be unto thee a restorer, and he shall be unto thee, a restorer of thy life and a nourisher all the days of thy life. For thy children, which loveth God, are better to thee than many riches. May God bless you. It's been a pleasure to be here and I trust that God will continue to guide you as a church and that God will that you will be faithful in the call that God has placed upon each one of you faithful in working those gifts for God's glory and for using those gifts to honor and glorify the church and to those around you let's let's pray Father God, tonight we thank you for being the restorer of life. Thank you, God, for your goodness to us and your providential care down to the person of who we are. So God, tonight we pray that you would continue to guide the the church here at Silver Lake in a special way. That they can be that restorer of life in the community that they live in, the church here. And that you would guide them and you would help them each day of their lives. We thank you for them and for their testimony. We just commit them to you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.